November is coming. The Fury Theory starts right now. The Fury Theory Podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. In this era of COVID-19, there is little predictability. But one thing we know for certain is there's going to be an election this November. Uh, so this podcast, we're going to talk how campaigns are changing and how they are innovating in this strange, crazy world we live in. We're so good to have Glenn Parham, who's the CEO of the Republican-focused tech startup, Pundit Analytics. Glenn, welcome to the Fury Theory Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So uh, how are things in California? I know that you're thinking about moving back to D.C. Uh, or moving to D.C., but how are things in California right now? It must be a kind of a complete nightmare like it is in D.C. Yeah. Um, so I'm in San Francisco right now, and it has been, you know, everything's been on lockdown for a while now. So it's kind of just, we've kind of been uh, adjusting to this way of life. Um, but my lease ends in this current apartment by the end of May. So I have to move somewhere. So I'm, I'm definitely moving to D.C. I'm very eager to do that <laughs> as soon as possible. So. so- Talk to me a little bit about what you guys are doing at Pundit Analytics. Analytics. Uh, I'm a pundit. Uh, okay. I, I fancy myself a pundit. I've been a pundit for a while. Uh, yeah. Your product is all about monitoring, right? Website changes, political ads, social media. Talk yeah. about how you do what you do. Yeah. Um, so in this kind of political age, so competitive, obviously, it's really important for campaigns to be monitoring what's going on with their competitors and monitoring every step. You know, are, when are they running ads? What are their talking points? All that kind of stuff. Um, and up until this point, it's been really hard to do that because it's a, a very manual process. You know, maybe you're spending hours a day looking at articles, looking at tweets, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we were approached to kind of fix this problem, this really important issue in uh, politics, especially on the Republican side. So I'm personally from, I'm a tech, I'm a total software engineer, data scientist, geek. Um, my entire team, we're all from Silicon Valley, all from tech. And so we kind of took a very different approach to this, which is automating um, the entire process of monitoring the political field. So instead of, you know, manually having to check, and make sure looking at website changes and tweets, we're automating all of that. Um, so we have bots and using artificial intelligence to really kind of uh, graph and monitor campaign strategy over time. Very important stuff. Hey, so Adam, you, you got to know uh, Glenn through our good friend, Eric Wilson, and you, yeah. you've kind of developed this relationship. Talk a little bit about that, uh, Adam. Well, I, first of all, I got to know Glenn and a little bit about Pundit Analytics uh, because they're on the forefront of technology in the 2020 election and they're servicing the Republican space. And I would just say to everybody who's a listener, don't sleep on this. The lessons are still being learned about what worked and how it worked in 2016. Well, it's, it is very much a brave new world on the internet and the use of AI in this particular instance, as Eric is going to, uh, I mean, as Glenn is going to continue to tell us more about is fascinating. I used to be a journalist and I would be following every last minutia of information that was new. And that included updates to websites, statements, uploaded videos, subscribing to every email list you could get on. It is an incredibly difficult process to try and stay at the leading edge of the news. But Glenn, you've automated it 
with artificial intelligence. How does that work? Uh, so it's essentially deploying what we call bots all over the internet and essentially listening to these campaigns. Um, so it's all public information. We're not hacking into emails. That's not our, that's not our job. Uh, but what we are doing is listening to what is coming out from these campaigns. What ads are they posting? What are they emailing out to their supporters? Um, and you know, with humans, you would have to continually keep tabs on all these things, but bots are able to keep tabs on a hundred different things, you know, every channel that they're using, the campaign is using. Um, and so that's where really our value proposition has been is the fact that we can listen to every single facet of the campaign that's public. Um, so with artificial intelligence, what the whole point of artificial intelligence is to kind of add in the, that's kind of the pundit side of it all where we're extracting, okay, we we're receiving all these, you know, 10,000 data points. Let's extract what that actually means. Like, okay, we have 400 emails, we have 300 tweets. Let's analyze what are the talking points, right? What are the vulnerabilities, all that kind of stuff. So the artificial intelligence is really the, the pundit and pundit analytics kind of the human factor, if you will. It looked like you guys were broke some news on how the Chinese uh, are infiltrating and spreading misinformation uh, yes. through Facebook. Talk a little bit about that, that story, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, um, thanks for bringing that up. So a couple of weeks ago, you know, we monitor ads across the board. Um, and something that I, we were just noticing is we were seeing ads coming from uh, Chinese state media. And I was like, huh, I didn't know that was allowed on, on Facebook. And there was no disclaimer. You know, I expected on Facebook, it would say, you know, maybe, oh, this uh, news agency is directly tied to Chinese uh, state media. I think it was Xinhua News. And I didn't see any disclaimer. And I was like, what? And they were spending so much money on running ads in America um, and really across the world, actually, that were talking about coronavirus and saying, um, you know, not directly saying, kind of portraying the coronavirus in a way to kind of shift blame away from China or the Chinese government. And these ads are getting millions of impressions, like millions of impressions. Um, so that's something that we picked up on. And then like five or six days later, I'm, I'm on the New York Times and I see um, exactly what we confirmed just five days before, which was the fact that there was a coordinated campaign amongst uh, operatives in the Chinese government to kind of disseminate that information. Um, and time and time again, we're seeing that we're beating these major news outlets to the punch. You know, we're beating the New York Times. We beat them by six days, right? Uh, and so that was really, really powerful. And we're continuing to do that. Um, Adam, you know, I think that one of the things that we're talking about the next generation of campaigning uh, and talking about Eric Wilson and Startup Caucus, uh, you know, these guys really are taking the AI thing to a whole new level. They, they absolutely are. And you know what? If you pretend that these tactics are, you know, not suitable, you're just shouldn't be in this game. Watching and knowing and learning and discerning uh, and processing data is exactly what this entire century is about. Collecting right. intelligence is very similar to what we do in terms of learning the news and, and advocating right. for a certain thing but you have to be there in real time. If you're a month late in your analysis, whatever the prescription is for success will be unworthy. And so I feel like Startup Caucus and Eric Wilson's agenda is 
all about bringing the smartest people in the latest tech to bear on campaigns. And John, I mean, we run campaigns here at EFB. President Trump the other day read Brian, uh, Brad Fraskell, the riot act, because he had just terrible poll numbers. Uh, talking about the two about that, campaigns, yeah. <laughs> the Trump campaign versus the, uh, the Biden campaign, Give, give me your kind of view of, of how that's shaping up from a AI, you know, next generation campaign perspective. Yeah, um, well, I can kind of talk about it from the perspective of, you know, coronavirus and how that's impacted everything um, tangibly, because everyone says, oh, coronavirus is impacting campaigns, but we actually have the data to prove it. Um, so across the board, just in campaigns, especially congressional races across the country, um, on the left and the right, we're seeing back in March, um, there was really a, a downtick in ad spend because people didn't know, you know what was going on here, if there was gonna be any money in the next month, the fundraising was gonna continue during this pandemic. And then we saw a massive uptick in, uh, this will sound weird, but tweets. Um, so campaigns, Joe Biden's campaign, uh, congressional campaigns all over the country may have been tweeting once every two days or once a day, something you know, simple like that. And then we saw it go to like 11 tweets a day or 12 tweets a day, because it turns out that tweeting is pretty much free advertisement <laughs> for all of these campaigns. Um, so from that standpoint, and you know, that the same goes for Joe Biden, it's been a massive move. We've seen now a massive increase in digital ad spend um, because you know, now that the pandemic is really here to stay, they're really kind of focusing on that and, and focusing on the Facebook ad spend. Um, and then definitely a focus on social media, tweeting way more frequently, following more people, garnering more followers on Twitter and, and likes on Facebook. Uh, that's been kind of their main strategy at this time. You know, uh, Eric Wilson would say that those are vanity metrics and they're not worth it. What say you? That's a good point. Um, so for Facebook ads, Ad spend is def. I, I wouldn't say a vanity metric because it they're targeting ads to their 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 the electorate. Um, now, when it comes to you know getting likes on Twitter and and, and Facebook, uh, that's kind of a different story. They're you know when it comes to tweeting, for exactly, it's more of uh, a lot of campaigns are realizing that they have nothing to lose. Right, might as well get as many impressions on there on their campaign, on their website as possible. Um, so they're definitely focusing on that right now. So, so let's dive a little bit deeper into uh, Pundit Analytics. Uh, talk about your partners, talk about um, yeah. how you guys met and talk about you know where, where you wanna see this company go. Yeah, uh, so I met my co-founders a while ago. We went to, to college together. We were always interested in uh, computer science and politics, but we were just focused, in, we were working in tech at the time. Um, and then Eric Wilson approached us and said, hey, are you guys interested in building this and kind of working with the Republican Party? And we said, okay, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll see where this goes. And that was only uh, in November. Um, so not that long ago, not, really not that long ago, but we built things quite literally overnight. We building, we were building for a couple of weeks. And, you know, we, we know how to build tech. That's what we do is what we've been doing for our entire careers. And, uh, the, the thing that Eric really unleashed for us was the network of the Republican Party. We had no connections there. We we're not part of the political establishment, so to speak. 
so Eric was really the one to kind of guide us and uh, kind of distribute our tech to campaigns all over the country. Um, and over the past, we started accepting and really opening up our, our services. I was in DC. It was, I think we did it two days before the first case of coronavirus in, in Washington, DC. So, you know, it wasn't the best timing at all. And I was like, of course, you know, of all times. Um, so frankly, that was really scary for us. That was in March where we were like, oh my God, is this, you know, are we just going to not be able to get any new clients because coronavirus kind of, you know, the whole political establishment is put on pause. Um, in the first two weeks, I'll admit, we're kind of like iffy and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Because across the board in politics, it was a very um, kind of confusing time. But after the month of April has been, I can just say it's been a great month. <laughs> it really has been a great month for Punda Analytics. We've been signing on clients left and right. Uh, you know, I had 18 client meetings just last week and it's been really powerful. I, I think what's been really powerful about uh, Punda Analytics is the fact that we can scale overnight. You know, I'll have a meeting with the congressional race and they say, hey, can you get us get this up and running tomorrow? And I say, yep, and it's good to go. And that's something that you just haven't been able to, uh, that other political vendors haven't been able to do. That's incredible. Uh, Adam. So Glenn, is this product from Pundit Analytics exclusively for elected campaigns or advocacy groups and corporations, potential or current clients? So yeah, right now, uh, Pundit Analytics is exclusively for Republican affiliated um, uh, entities. So PACs, state committees, um, and obviously Republican campaigns all across the country. And your 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 basic charge you charge what four ninety nine is that what I saw on your website? Yeah, so our base pricing it'll start at four ninety nine. Um, obviously, for different a pack which wants to track a hundred races will pay a different price. Uh, but that's really been the competitive advantage competitive advantage with Funday Analytics is the fact that we're offering a lot of the same services that a massive Oppo Research or competitive intelligence firm would offer. Um, but, you know, we're not charging $10,000 a month. We're charging, you know, a small fraction of that. So. And one last thing before we go, you uh, on your Facebook page, we're talking about um, your experiences at Berkeley and you know, you've had crazy times there. <laughs> had your, talk about your, your life at Berkeley and how it's kind of shaped your political views. Yeah. So I was at UC Berkeley, um, you know, I was there for when Trump got elected. That was a crazy time. Oh my God, that was, I have so many videos and, and Snapchats and all that stuff documented. So I'll have to show my kids or something one day. Uh, and I was there for when Milo Yiannopoulos uh, was speaking there and all the protests. It was just one of the most insane times, I think in, um, you know, that UC Berkeley has seen in quite a while. I think the most, the last, most recent, hectic time on campus was probably the free speech movement decades ago. So uh, UC Berkeley has definitely been, you know, I'm grateful for the education and the connections that I've got there, um, especially my computer science education. That's been amazing. Um, and what, what's really awesome about kind of that network is there's a lot of people that are into politics and into computer science, and they're looking to work on these campaigns. And I know in DC, I get asked all the time, do you know any software engineers? And I'm like, oh yeah, I know a lot that, you know, 
it just because it's a geographical kind of gap. Uh, but we're going to see a lot of a lot more, I think, political tech talent coming out of UC Berkeley over the years. Well, hopefully they will uh, not all be on the left, and that they'll be you sure. know right-thinking <laughs> folks like yourself. Uh, you know, Glenn, I really appreciate you being on the Fury Theory podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. Um, you're a great. Uh, good luck with your your firm. Uh, if you ever actually need an actual pundit on pundit analytics, let me know because uh, that's uh, yeah. what I do for a living. Uh, <laughs> and we really wish you the best. And thanks for being on the podcast. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. And best of luck during these crazy times. Thank you.